Welcome to Frame Rate. Rewind. All right. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Go watch some freaking movies. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Frame Rate, a film review podcast where myself and these two other dudes sitting across from me, Dustin. Howdy. And Josh. Yo ho. Give our very honest, no bullshit opinions on one movie every week. So I am going to toss it over to Dustin. Dustin, what did we watch this week? So this week we watched a movie, a 2020 movie, and it was written and directed by Emerald Fennell? Fennell? I think it's fennel, like the vegetable. Maybe. Root. Um, it is Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, and pretty much every other actor known to man. <laughs> Um, fun fact. Yeah, this is her first feature film that she's directed. She's, um, a sh- executive producer and writer for the second season of Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing she's really directed is a series of short films called C- Careful How You Go. Hmm. I don't know that one. Yeah. And that is the title of the book that Carrie Mulligan's character is reading in the cafe. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Easter egg number one. Exactly. So I'm going to toss it back to Tori. And she is going to give her 90-second synopsis. Oh it's going to be a tough one. <laughs> this is such a challenge because I'm not going to say my general opinion, but I obviously love this movie very, very much. So <laughs> it was very hard to condense it in 90 seconds. But We still haven't figured out what happens if you don't do it in 90 seconds. I perish. We will. <laughs> you perish. <laughs> I just go like full Infinity War and just... Just disintegrate. Yeah, right in front of you guys. <laughs> All right. I got the timer ready. When are you ready? Okay, you tell me when to go. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so there's this girl named Cassie, and she's a lone wolf med school dropout whose main hobby is pretending she's wasted at bars so a guy will take her to his apartment and try to assault her. I like to crochet on the weekends, but that's just me. So then right when a guy starts to go too far, Cassie deadass stops pretending to be drunk and gives a speech that scares the shit out of these dudes. She got into this revenge routine because back in college, her best friend Nina was raped at a party and sadly later killed herself. So one day, this skyscraper human Ryan runs into Cassie and is like, hey, we went to school together. You're cute. Let's date. And she's like, thanks, no thanks. But he's so sweet and awkward, so they start going out. Cassie finds out through Ryan that a bunch of their old classmates are getting married and having babies and being happy, including Nina's rapist, Al Monroe. So Cassie is like, hold the hell up, not on my watch, and she decides to start meeting with these people to freak them out and admit their wrongdoing. Then one classmate tells Cassie she has video of the assault, and twist, Cassie sees Ryan in the video just standing there. So she goes to Ryan and is like, tell me where Al's bachelor party is or I'm going to release this video to everyone. And he does, and Cassie goes to the party pretending to be a stripper so no one recognizes her. Cassie gives off major Rihanna putting a crown on her head vibes at this party, and I live for it. She's giving side eye. She's drugging all the dudes with lace vodka. She has a scalpel to carve Nina's name into Al's body. But when Cassie jumps on Al to cut him up, he goes full freaking murderer and smothers her with a pillow. So Al's BFF helps him burn Cassie's body and Al has a stupid hipster wedding where everything's totally normal. But double twist, the cops show up and arrest Al because Cassie, this absolute queen, scheduled information to be delivered which threw him under the bus in case she disappeared. Then Cassie has a total surprise bitch, thought you seen the last of me moment, and she sends Ryan a ghost text saying, enjoy the wedding asshole with a winky face and she laughs forever from the afterlife, the end. <laughs> That's awesome. I crochet yeah. on the weekends, but that's just me. <laughs> you just made it. Oh my God. That's awesome. That was, that was fast. I really tried. I don't think I breathed the whole time. <laughs> I don't think I breathed. That was like clenching my butt cheeks. You know here. who else didn't breathe? Poor, poor Cassie. Oh, oh, Under Cassie. that little pillow. Cassie. <laughs> so, too soon. <laughs> Literally too soon in the podcast. My heart is racing. That was so fast. Okay. 
Did we mention their spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. No. Oh my god. So now that we got that out of the way, what were your guys' initial thoughts? Let's start with Tori, because she's already kind of made hers clear. That's her film. I am just chomping at the bit to talk about this movie, because I am just so obsessed with it. I've watched it twice already. I just think it really sticks with you, just the visuals and the content, the script. Um, from the opening shot, I was totally hooked, just showing all those really gross, like hypersexualized images of men dancing <laughs> when it's usually women. It was so fantastic. And I just, I love Emerald um, Fennel, if that's how you say your last name. I think she did an incredible job just balancing really, really dark, dark, terrifying things with some humor and some beautiful imagery. And uh, I just want to throw two little tidbits out there that Emerald was seven months pregnant, six or seven months pregnant while filming this whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, and also the title apparently comes from the Brock Turner case where the media often described him as a promising young man. <sighs> mm. I, I completely understand that. And right. That's, that's really interesting. And I'm glad she went there. Isn't it haunting kind of when you know that fact? I don't know. It just well, because that's kind of the thing. I feel like the whole Al Monroe is the Brock Turner stand in. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Mm -hmm. And how it's just like everybody's like, well, he was just like, you know, you don't want to ruin his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, this is real. It's very realistic in a lot of ways, but that just really solidified it for me. But yeah, I'm just, I'm obsessed with this movie. So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, there's okay. so much thought that went into it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? I really enjoyed it. I, um, you know, there were times I felt like maybe it was pushed a little too far uh, in terms of just like the, you know, kind of the overtones of, of what they were trying to do with the film. But I, I, I mean, it, it definitely made me feel awkward. Uh, I think that was the goal, right? And, and I kind of just go back to it just totally made me feel like shit to be born a man um, in, in that world. But it, it really revealed a lot uh, at the same time. Uh, gave a different perspective, but the I mean the actual film I I thought it was uh, really well done soundtrack amazing I wouldn't say a lot of fun but, I mean it, it was fun it was fun it there was were fun. some fun parts but there but it was but it had a lot of heat to it as well a lot mm. of a lot of heaviness um, so yeah right. I, I liked it a lot yeah I, I completely agree I liked it a lot I don't think I loved it quite as much as Tori I understand but um it's very difficult to make a movie like this and be so strategic about how each audience like male and female. Mm -hmm. will watch it. Because if a male watches it, they're going to have a completely different experience than a female. When a female watches this, they can see all the dark humor. They've been in this experience. They're like, oh, I totally see how she's making fun of these circumstances mm -hmm. and just calling out guys and their BS. And then as a guy, this is like the first time we're put in the situation of the female. And we're like very uncomfortable. We're like, oh, I can't believe mm -hmm. this is disgusting. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> and so while it might be like, the humor might hit the uh, female audience better, but definitely the, like the the cringy, awkward nastiness hits hits the men. Quite yeah, a bit. didn't feel quite right to laugh. No, from our perspective, you guys should be laughing not. nervously, like a girl's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it did not quite feel right to laugh, and that's that's one of the things that I felt like it had to really teeter because it was trying to be a thriller and a comedy, a dark right. comedy. I feel like there are a few times where it may have teetered too sure. far one way or the other. This opening scene really set the tone for me like it was so subtly darkly funny and also extremely uncomfortable yeah i agree but it, but it is strange like they started out with arguably the most normal of you know kind of the side hustles yeah, or that's little what side I was hustles. Thinking. like the fact that like he was one of the three guys the least chauvinistic out of that bunch that was sitting at the bar i mean i would have pegged him as the normal guy and, and then to see him completely 
still do some cringeworthy things. It was like, damn. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting way to show the male audience, like, it could be your friends. You don't They're know normal from nine to five. Doors. Exactly. Sidebar. Mm-hmm. There was no normal guy. There was no like. Yes, there was though. But the thing, <sighs> why would they show a totally normal guy in this film? That's not the point. Representation matters. To well, me. they started. To. <laughs> they definitely started to with Bo Burnham's character. That's what I'm saying. I, I have though. a lot to say about that. I think they missed a big opportunity with him. So of course he comes in and he's just so perfect and <laughs> you they really try to make you fall in love with this guy too like I you want to be his best friend or you want to date him yeah and so the whole time this is going on I'm in the back of my head I'm like he was involved in Nina's rape somehow they make it clear that he wasn't necessarily doing it he was a bystander when they she started showing him the video he didn't even seem like he knew that existed he was like I want to see this like, mm-hmm. and then once he heard his voice he realized oh shit I was there. Like he didn't even remember this. He he didn't open his eyes. Well, I think eyes he enough. definitely realized what was happening at the time. At the, I don't know. They don't give you any foresight into that. They don't show you the video. They don't show you if he was super drunk. Because because subtext is he's changed. That's what I was thinking. That's what you're supposed to. Yeah. That's hope what for, I was yeah. hoping. And so once the police officer comes and talks to him about once Cassie disappears. once Cassie disappears and she's like, well, "Have you seen her? You know what she was doing?" I thought that that was going to be the moment where he'd be like, "You know what." She said she was going to go speak to some old friends. I think you need to go talk to them. And I think just adding that little line, changing that little scene would have added a really interesting subtext where it shows he has changed. Like he was, you don't have to be the one following your friends in the crowd. You can be the one to stand up. Even if you haven't in the past, you still can now. It would have been nice to develop that for the viewer just a little bit to give give one guy a sense of, you know, skeletons can come out of the closet and you can, you know, you can do your best to to try to make amends. Well, that's the point. Is it plausible for a guy to be Ryan's character and then completely be remorseful? Of course it is. But in this instance, I completely understand where Cassie's coming from. Like, I don't care if you just sit there. You saw what happened. You were watching what happened, whether you were drunk or not. Or not. Nina was quote unquote drunk. It doesn't matter. Even if he's a little bit changed now in her mindset, her character, it doesn't matter. And also the fact that he flips his switch so quickly when she's about to walk out the door after, and he's like, okay, like calling her names. I get that that's not the same, but, or even when he doesn't tell the cops, is that, that the real that, side of him? That's the part where I was like, because I completely understood why he was so defensive and why he started acting like a dick once she was like walking out. Of course, when you're challenged, you're going to get defensive. It was when the cops came that I think he he should have said something. And I think that little change would have made all the difference. But because he didn't, because and because didn't, that like, did not this guy happen. Is a fucking asshole. Right. And that's the point. That even a guy who can be incredibly nice, she she said she was falling in love with him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a good person for the most part. Yeah. But he did something in his past and he apologized for it. But he also has that capability to do something horrible, to not say where Cassie is. That yeah. is in him. Yeah. It, so It is still in the realm of believability. I think Absolutely. I think Dustin and I just want some redemption <laughs> for the man. Right, but you're not going to get it in this movie because that would make it to make the men happy. Would that have made... Wh- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying the direction that it went was a bad direction. It's a right. different direction. It's a different direction, yeah. for yeah. sure. And I completely understand why they did that. I'm just saying, for me, it would have been nice to add another layer of a different kind of man that might be involved in this. Mm-hmm. That was the blanket sort of theme for the film, was 
even no a good, good guy. Guys. Hashtag no good guys. There are no good guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one tour. You brought that to our attention. I think we're skimming over him pretty good. I did. Oh, the dad? Dad. Dad was We so don't know sweet. what he's done in the past. And you know, he was in Shawshank. He was like a... I think he was a police officer. I, m- I remember him in Shawshank for some reason. So I was like, is he the only one who was a quote unquote bad guy actor? And now he's the adorable oh, dad. That'd like be, that'd be that was the only instance I could see. But Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. You got it right. Yay. Okay. Not Bo Berman or whatever yeah. I was saying. But he was really good in this movie. I really liked his performance. It was really nice. Really refreshing. He still brought his comedic tendencies. But uh, yeah, a really nice <laughs> way of delivery for him. Well, that's like the good thing about having a bunch of people who are known for comedy in mm. your movie is they're just so good at improv. Yeah. That you can just put them together in a scene. You're like, oh, let's just fill this thing out and see how, see how it works. So many comedians. Yeah. It's like all comedians. Right. Yeah. And mostly just nice guy characters, which I read you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of the standard kind of sitcom TV show dudes or comedians, like you said, and, and these really horrible positions yeah. which was so off-putting and People, especially schmidt you think they're nice guys and you think they're nice guys they're not nice guys <laughs> <laughs> it was cool to to see that they you know took the challenge of taking snl alums and jennifer mm. coolidge who i've only ever really seen is oh just gosh, hilarious you, yeah um, so i was like really staring at her like make me laugh and this, it didn't didn't really hit with me so it was the casting i thought was really genius in this apparently right. she was really funny in the outtakes like during the dinner scene i heard like <laughs> When they were talking about what do you do for work, she was like, oh, I do roofing or oh, I'm in construction. And of course, none of it made it to the final cut, but I would love to sit in on that. I'm on sure that this would be forth. one where the deleted scenes or the outtakes are just gold. Oh, that would be hilarious. You, they, I'm sure they're just relieving the tension of the film itself by like just being funny and Which, having a good behind the scenes moment. Yeah, I mean, but good for them for bringing the tension back because that's mm-hmm. something I loved about Carrie's uh, or Cassie. Uh, so much is that I just I never felt like she was anything else but exactly who she was from the start she just had this mission she had this mindset the only part where you really sort of see her question what she's doing is when she was going to stop after she has that heart-to-heart with um, Nina's mom right but it felt wrong for her to stop to me instead of it feeling wrong for her to go out to the nightclubs and trick these guys and you know do all these sort of plots against her old classmates, it felt wrong for her to stop. See, that's what I think was very interesting about her character was she was very, I feel like, subdued. She was secluding herself. She's quiet. She just has an angry mug. She's just mad. And she just does this kind of like rude stuff throughout the whole movie because that's just who she is. Mm -hmm. But where she really shined was when she was stalking her prey. Mm -hmm. So it reminded me a lot of Dexter, where Michael C. Hall, he's very subdued. Then once he gets into the kill room, like when they record that, they just had him and the cameraman in the in the room mm. because he wanted to really get into character and really let it out, like really show who Dexter really is. And I feel like Carrie Mulligan did something similar here, where as soon as she was talking to these guys and shutting them down, she became a full character and mm-hmm. she was able to show who she really was. I mean, it, what a, yeah, it was just such an interesting and well done balance um, right. in her in her acting. Because, uh, you know, some of the stuff that she did was was just like cringeworthy, but it was funny at the same time. And that was like, but the, it all played into her character, like the spitting in the mug, whatever. Like that was right. Like when Ryan, when she confronted Ryan with the video and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And she just looks at him just so cold. and just like, no. And I just, I loved that line delivery. And when he's like, okay, like, then we're never going to be doctors, bitch. And she was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Like, it just felt so 
genuine and it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel over dramatized. It didn't feel like she was putting on an act. It just felt like that's naturally who she is. Just someone who's kind of standoffish, kind of cold to people, but behind the scenes is so hurt and emotional and and just trying to deal with this horrible trauma that she that she had to watch her friend go through. So it was very interesting at the end when she has the whole speech to Al about like he oh she had to God. walk around with yes. your name all over her. Yeah. And I feel like she was walking around with Nina's name all over her. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what was really interesting was how Nina wasn't really a character, but you felt her presence all yes. over Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even down to the moments where I feel like you shouldn't have felt that like at, at the dinner table with her and her mom and dad it's like there's an elephant in the room still even there like not Ugh. not in her like nighttime vigilanteism but every aspect of her life is completely permeated by this thing yeah do you guys get the sense that she used to be more of a bubbly happy kind of girl and, yeah. and this just ruined her or she used to be a promising young woman oh my god <laughs> that's josh's job to do the dad jokes that's right. well that's what it is it's, it's everybody footage. everybody that comes in contact with her is like Oh, well, you, you were going to be a doctor. You used mm-hmm. to do this. You're so good in school. What happened? What happened? What mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. And so, yeah, you definitely get the feeling that she used to be someone completely different. And this just completely yeah. changed her life. Yeah. Another thing that really ties into Cassie's character really closely is both wardrobe and locations. Her outfits are so striking in, in the strangest of oh, ways. Beautiful. She dresses like she's a teenager or mm-hmm. like a 12-year-old, like Blowing bubblegum hair, like she looks like a Ariana Grande. Ribbons in her hair and braids, <laughs> yeah, and flower dresses. And so. I think it's super interesting because it, to me, that uh, signifies that she never moved on past when yep. her and Nina were like she's stuck in that she's moment. Stuck, yeah. And same thing for like her parents' house where she lives with her parents, so like she did when she was a kid, best friends with Nina. And her parents' house looks like it's stuck in like the late eighties. Yeah. I love that because I think something that was so shown throughout with the costumes and the sets was that. It's a very beautiful vintage 50s, you know, everything's fine and innocent world, but underneath there's really scary stuff happening. And I like the fact that you noted that her costuming made it seem like she was stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just very wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like she's just dressed as this girly girl on the outside, but inside she's a fucking stone cold bitch. dressed like she's super young. I wonder if that's like another thing where it's like, all right, well, let's see what predators I attract here. Yeah, I think the costuming and the sets were just absolutely gorgeous. And can we just take a minute to talk about the nurse's costume? Because I am obsessed with this costume. If I don't see it everywhere this Halloween, I'd be shocked. That beautiful rainbow wig with like the nurses. I just think it was very Harley Quinn. Yeah, it is Harley Quinn in that sense. And it's just such a colorful outfit, which kind of brings me to the cinematography. I thought the cinematography was incredible on this movie. I I really enjoyed it. I loved it the long shots because there's quite a few of them where they separate her from everybody else so they'll they'll film her like right center frame and yeah. always separate from like anybody else right it um, really showed how alone she is yeah or yeah just her lone wolf and like, mentality of like i don't really care about anybody else i'm doing my own thing but then you know juxtaposition to the close-up shots which i love in a movie when a close-up can just you take the frame and you could use it as art Mm -hmm. like you could just frame it it's beautiful which i thought happened especially in the cabin scene when she was giving all the guys shots which oh my god Mm -hmm. made me miss party so bad (laughs) i was just watching this with the music and i was like 
God, That's I miss going hilarious because it made me think the opposite. I was like, God, I don't miss this. Oh at my all. God, really? <laughs> For the after effects, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but they were doing a lot of close-ups of her eyes and her mouth, which looked very determined. And then when they were doing close-ups of the guy's eyes, I just remember one close-up of Max Greenfield's eyes, and it was straight predator. He yeah. was like glaring and squinting. he was like the only one all the other ones were like yes. partying eyes rolled back and yes. he just he looks like he's about to like pounce it was scary dude yeah. i was like good for him for getting those smiles as tyra bang says and just <laughs> like really focusing in because those sort of close-up shots where you don't have to say anything but mm-hmm. you can feel the severity of what's happening yeah was gorgeous they really use close-ups very very well in this they yeah. didn't just like toss it in whenever just like for shits and gigs like mm-hmm. a lot of like a lot of modern movies they just use close-ups all the time for style but mm-hmm. this they really saved it for what mattered yeah also in the cabin scene i do have to say the music choices in this movie oh, yeah. chef's oh, kiss man. that was amazing oh my god absolutely amazing mm-hmm. like starting off right in the beginning with a boys remix which if you haven't heard this song i've heard the og song and it was awesome a couple years ago my sister introduced me to it but this remix was awesome i'd never heard the song until this movie and i was like man this, this is nice it's and it's catchy. it's a lot of girly bobs in this in this movie paris hilton there's mm-hmm. it's raining men remixes at the end when they play um I think it's Angel of the Morning or Angel in the Morning. And especially playing that at the end when you just saw Cassie get murdered mm-hmm. and something so horrifying and then playing that song with them all getting taken away and arrested, which Al was arrested by a woman, which I also thought was a fun ah, little... Yeah, he was that. taken out by a woman, which I just love. There's nice. so many little things. Yeah. Just having that really bright 80s mm-hmm. song with this just crazy chaotic wedding takedown. Yeah. I was smiling, but also like crying because Cassie's dead and... The music was just really well used throughout this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, now, now that you say all that, it's 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 rare for a movie like this. It seems pretty cut and dry to want to go back and mm. rewatch because I, I definitely have that feeling. I mean, a lot of hidden Easter eggs. And you have to. I I highly recommend it. Just like you guys were telling me to rewatch Tenet, but for this, I've rewatched it as mm. many times as I can, allowing the rental. When I buy it, it's going to be like coughing <laughs> up dust. Like, please stop watching, Tori. Yeah, like, I can't wait let to watch it go. Some of the, uh, some of the deleted scenes bloopers from all these comedians it should be really fun oh my god yeah. yeah that would be fun and i just have to say the toxic violin usage when she's going up to the cabin is just i love the music in this it very much reminded me of drive which is one of my favorite yeah. movies yeah where it's just like a crime movie where they're going around listening to pop music mm-hmm. and it contrasts so much with the violence that you see in the horror traumatic moments mm-hmm. and um yeah it, it, was, it was fantastic there's just something throughout this whole movie like we keep saying and but it's so true and everything is opposite in mm-hmm. some way the visuals are opposite to the content the music is opposite to what's happening like everything is and it's meant to throw you off which yeah. it kind of did but it also made it so heavy mm-hmm. so so heavy yeah. so i'm just curious what you guys thought of a couple of those We'll call them the revenge scenes where she's going to the houses of these dudes after the nightclubs. Something that Emerald did so fantastically was fit a lot of scenarios into one scene. Mm -hmm. Like with McLovin, where he's like, I thought we had a connection. And he can't even say her name or anything (laughs) about her remotely. He, you know, tells her about how men don't like when women wear a lot of makeup and it's oppressive. (laughs) And an Adam Brody scene, he's like, you're safe with me. Like, you're fine. Mm -hmm. And he pours her a drink that's just filled to the brim and his is a quarter full. Yeah. 
one of my favorite scenes, to be honest, was the catcalling scene when all the construction workers are like yeah. just yelling at her. And then she's just stares. She doesn't say anything yeah. or offend them or do anything. And then all of a sudden they change her to I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you fucking bitch. And like, it was a joke. You can't take a joke and all this stuff. I thought there was a lot of realism, even if it seemed a little over-dramatized. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Like, was there any scenario that you felt was over-dramatized? Like, men don't really do that. Oh, there's plenty that was over-dramatized. Right. But I feel so like I wanted, that was... Yeah to play into the dark comedy aspect like when you see um at the end when they murdered her and they mm-hmm. kind of play it like between the two guys is for laughs kind of like showing you know boys will be boys even though they just mm-hmm. murdered somebody they're still like <sighs> it was a bit off-putting that they were so chill yeah with killing someone yeah. i mean the one guy the one guy did throw up and he was crying out it was so over not only chill not only over dramatized but i thought that was the most uncomfortable moment for me in the film and you would think like some of those other like when you see stuff that you know has happened or maybe you've even witnessed i don't think i i guess i haven't but all those little touchdowns that we were talking about mm-hmm. but it was that like the joking the the laughing the like maybe not laughing but so just, i will say yeah they did laugh i joke. watched it back yeah. there were lots of like it, just the feeling was a very like oh this piece of mm-hmm. garbage like this isn't a, a human i just felt like man that was that was just pushed it a little over the edge for me yeah i mean the sequence of the murder which i want to talk about for a minute because um i read that i think it's emerald's father-in-law or, or her stepdad or something like that someone in her family was a former police officer okay and she asked them how long it takes to suffocate someone and he said about two and a half minutes so I went back and I watched the scene and it's right at about two and a half minutes wow. from like putting the pillow on her face. Not exactly, but like putting the pillow on her face to her being silent. And yeah. there's just no music. There's only the sounds of her screaming and him grunting. It's haunting. Oh, it yeah. is really I, that scary. That is a great scene. It's beautiful. It was as amazing to watch, especially someone who's like a first time feature director like this, know how long to show something or when to show something Mm -hmm. like okay i'm not gonna show the rape i'm not even gonna say that nina was raped Mm -hmm. i'm gonna imply it there's gonna be a video you're gonna hear people laughing but i'm not gonna show any of that and then it's like all right but i'm gonna show you this thing i'm gonna slow push in this is the stand-in for like nina's rape yeah you know Mm -hmm. so you're, you're seeing him actually commit this act now so you can put his face as the bad guy mm-hmm. and you see it happening to the girl you've been following this whole time. That's rough. It's really hard to watch. There's no cutting. Mm-hmm. And we'll say that too. It's just a straight shot to juxtapose that with the following scene where they're like Josh said, kicking your hand in the fire, like not joking, but it's much more lighthearted than what yeah. just happened. Very lighthearted. I felt like everything was spot on until that just at like at the, at the fire scene, like mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. her smoldering in the, in the fire, and I was like, man, I, was just, I could have done without that part. Yeah. But I loved everything else because I feel like that all played so well into the ending. I, I definitely think seeing like her hand in the fire was the, the stamp, like the seal for me, because the whole time I was kind of expecting her to just sit up and be like, guess what, motherfuckers? <laughs> well, yeah, in that two two and a half minutes, is that what you say? Like yeah. in that two and a half minutes, you f- there's all the feels. I'm like, okay, she's just yeah, she's just playing with him, like making him think he's act she's actually dying and mm-hmm. she's gonna pop up and it's the same shit she does all the time. Back mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. She's yeah. mm-hmm. she's helpless and waiting for the prey to come get her. So do you think she thought that this is how that was gonna go? I think they do mention this early on or something along the lines of like what she's doing is really dangerous when she goes to these nightclubs and she knows what she's doing. She knows every time she gets in a car with a guy, what the possibility is of her getting harmed. So I think in this case, and when I watched it back, um, when she's 
confronting Ryan about the video and he's like, come on, think about this. And she just goes, you have no idea how much I've thought about it. And seeing that in retrospect for the ending, I think she thought about it. Mm. And so she covered all her bases. She thought about it through and through. And because what was he protecting at that point? He was he wasn't protecting his was it or was it just carrying the name of Nina on him? The embarrassment. Right. Male ego. But he knew she wasn't oh going to kill him. Like She made that clear. Yeah, but yeah. his life would fall apart. Sure. He, his marriage would get ruined. Yeah. his He would not be a doctor anymore. He just saw his life falling apart, and he's like, well, it's going to be my life or yours, and I'm going to take yours. Yeah. Oh, it's so haunting. I yeah. What were your guys' thoughts on the chapter scenes, like with Allison Brie? I love how they represented cliche things that men say to women, also that women say to women, right. like when Allison Brie sat down. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm such a mess when she's just mm-hmm. pristine head to toe. And she says to Cassie, oh, do you have kids or anything? And Cassie says no. And she's like, you'll get there. Right. It's like, oh, my God, I hate that. She, she's an extremely underrated actress. She, she really Allison is. So she really great. is. I just remember those scenes when you first see them, when Cassie leaves and gives the guy money for Allison Brie, you're like, is she about to let this guy... Take Alice I mean, and Brie. That's again every single one of these chapters of like where she's going to go mm-hmm. talk to these people. You're unsure of what yeah. her plan is and how far, like, yeah, how, how far gone she is. And then outside the lawyer's house, where she, the guy's like, "Oh, are you still going to pay me?" I'm like, "Was he? Was she hiring a hitman to go in there and kill this dude? Or um, what does she do with this girl's daughter?" Ooh. Oh my! And God. I was like, was "What heavy. is happening here? Like, right. is, is she just as bad as these other guys?" And I kind of noticed. On the one scene with the daughter, um, like that was the only sort of scheme she put together where right. she did it herself because this was an was, underage girl. It didn't seem like there's any actual real danger. She just wanted to make it seem like it. Right. But everyone else, she's hiring, you know, dudes and really scaring the shit out of these people mm-hmm. or potentially. And I just thought that was interesting that the only instance she didn't hire someone else for was with a young girl. There's a lot of moments in this movie where I just was not sure how far... Carrie Mulligan's character was willing to go. Catch yeah. uh, That's where it started for me. So let's just go and talk about that. <laughs> At the very beginning, right after Adam's Brody character is introduced and she kind of calls him out, like, what are you doing? And then it like hard cuts to like her walking down the street with what looks A like hot dog. It, A jelly donut. it looks like she's covered in blood. It starts on her legs right. and pans mm-hmm. up, and she just has streaks of red mm-hmm. all over her. And then you kind of see that she's eating. It's a hot dog. It is we, a hot dog. I have the receipts. Don't test there's me. There's lots of screenshots. It really threw me for a loop because at first I was like, oh my God, did she just murder that dude? 100%. And she so, definitely did at that point. And so it's not until the whole McLovin scene where I was like, oh, okay, so this is what's going on. Because I was like, "Am I? I don't know if I can like sit here and watch this murderer. Like she's no better than this other guy. You weren't watching a murderer. If you weren't, you know. But you, they kind of set up the way they set up was very strange for me. I think it's different from everyone's perspective. My perspective was I saw red on her leg. I was like, oh man, maybe there was a tussle or something. Maybe she got in a fight. As soon as I saw her holding the hot dog, I was like, oh, it's just ketchup. I was like, oh yeah, that looks good. Go for it, girl. <laughs> like normalcy. you're hungry. Going back to normalcy. That is not a normal amount of ketchup. It's not a normal amount of ketchup. It's fine. You guys are so hung up on the ketchup. I don't no, understand. No, no, no. Because it. it because of that setup, and I thought this is what was going on, when it was actually revealed, oh, she's just telling them off. I was like, oh, that's it. Well, here's my other thing. So in the end, when she has Al handcuffed to a bed, not that she would have succeeded in killing him, but if she wanted to, she could have done that. She said, I'm going to carve Nina's name on your body. She didn't say, I'm about to cut your throat or anything like that. So to me, 
if she was a killer, if she wanted to kill men, she wouldn't kill some dude she met at a bar. She'd kill the freaking coup de gras Al Monroe who raped her best friend. Well, what would be bigger revenge? Didn't. Killing him or carving some other woman's name in him? The, totally. Like, and ruining his marriage, his yeah. whole life where he's become a doctor. Like I get why she wanted to do that, but I'm just saying I don't... I think that that action makes me not believe that she would just murder a guy she met at a nightclub. Do you know how much effort that would take? Oh, I know. She'd have to hide it. She would never but get caught. it also caught. takes a lot of effort to go to the nightclub and act drunk every night to be taken home and Not that talk. much effort. Not <laughs> <laughs> so much effort. But that's, 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 that's a lot of time. Well, here's the thing, though. In her book, where she's doing the lines and the names, there's different colors. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw that book, which I think was pretty soon after the hot dog walk, I just assumed different colors were for different things. So mm-hmm. maybe Adam Brody's name was black or red, I think, or something meant they got in a fight. McLovin's name would go in there in blue, which meant she gave him the speech. Well, I just took it as she ran out of ink and changed pens. No, I like the colors <laughs> thing because that goes to the fingernails. Like, what's up with Obsessed the- Obsessed with her fingernails. Yeah, what's up with the colors in the book? I didn't think about that. What's up with the colors in the book? What's up with the fingernails? Yeah, colors. I'd be curious if there's a code. So I did try to look into it, um, what the colors meant in the book. And apparently Carrie Mulligan said, that's between me and Emerald. And that's we're not going to say anything. I love that. And I was like, I'm not so even mad about it. Gives you something to dig into and really try to figure out yourself. I really think that it has to do with different things she's done. All right. So let's talk about favorite, least favorite scenes. And I'll let Dustin go first because I'm curious what your picks are. So I'll start off with least favorite. Um, I think I've said it before was... When you're finally introduced to what she's doing, the McLovin scene, that sure. just, it didn't really click for me. I feel like that was one of the times where it teetered a little too far into comedy and not enough onto, I feel like that needed to be more thriller. I don't think that was the right actor for it. Like, I really like him. He's mm-hmm. fun. He's fun to watch. And I think he did a great job. If that was in like, a com- if that scene was in a comedy movie, I would, I would have been completely fine with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that moment needed more gravity to see you're finally for the first time seeing what she's doing. And it just didn't really hit with me as hard as I thought it should, especially after, you know, spending the first 30 minutes thinking she was a murderer. My favorite scene, the bachelor party scene, that hit really hard. Like the music leading up to it, her dressing up, like just marching in there and just dominating a house full of men. Yeah. And in the most literal way, Mm -hmm. it, it was very satisfying. It was, and then ending on that very heartbreaking note, that whole scene worked so well for me i was on the that that was i felt like the whole movie was leading up to that and it it killed that moment yeah josh what about you yeah i'd say um probably my least favorite scene was the 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 fire after they killed her i just i i just thought i don't know it just didn't connect with me maybe maybe it was just my perspective on it i just thought it they just pushed that a little too far is is it the fact that they were burning her, or was it the fact no, that how they were acting? The burning makes sense, um, but it's the, <laughs> yeah, that, that was like the time. You gotta where do I was something like, oh, with the body. I, I guess she is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It gave yeah. you that closure. No, it was the way they were acting. I, yeah. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I it just felt like it was you know a twist of the knife into yeah. into the man. Mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that. Um, well, uh, well deserved. <laughs> there you go. Well, for I don't know. I feel like they. No, it was well deserved. For the movie's sake, they had to make a statement. <laughs> um, I think that was the other time, other than the McLovin scene, where I felt like the. It, the balance wasn't quite as there where it mm-hmm. needed to be. Yeah. Um, I'd say favorite scene, you know, believe it or not, probably the Alfred Molina scene. It was the time where her expectations were dashed. She was ready to yeah. to bash this dude's face in with a Russian, uh, you know, guard while kind of hanging out outside. But she, um, she, you got to see her finally have a little bit of sense of 
um i don't know what's the word compassion yeah compassion yeah she she yeah she realized this guy was she said i forgive she said i forgive you didn't she i think she did she definitely put his her hand on his back and stuff and i love when as soon as he opened the door and she was like it's your reckoning or something mm-hmm. and he's like i've been like, waiting yep. and i was like oh this is really intense right mm-hmm. now it was that's a great scene i still kind of struggle like did he overact that a little bit but i i think it was i think it was important to really break this... break to her get on hands and knees get in her mm-hmm. face like really say like look i i was wrong right i don't know if you ever seen him in shock a lot i think no no Listening. oh my god you guys should watch it <laughs> it's such a good movie but he's like this priest or some really religious guy who doesn't eat chocolate because it's Easter or something, and then, but he can't help himself, and so he, <laughs> he gorges on this chocolate, and he is like in a shop window just with chocolate, and he's like, Mwah. it's so weird. But that so fantastic. that over dramatic. Now I gotta see it. Oh, you should watch it. Oh, it's good. So my favorite scene was the cabin scene, just from the minute she's in the car fixing her hat with mm-hmm. a smile on her face, like before she's about to go in, and then. The long walk up to the door with Toxic playing. It felt very heavy. And then mm-hmm. just dead music, way to be, door opens. Just the timing and the pace of that entire scene was incredible to me. And I could watch it a thousand times. Um, but that was definitely my favorite scene. And then my least favorite scene was, yeah, the burning of the body. Because it just... And they were playing this really big French ballad with it. Yeah. Which made it really uncomfortable in a good way. But yeah, just I remember Schmidt throwing... Something, I think the wig, he throws the wig into the fire, but he does it with like a flick of the wrist yeah. and it was just kind of silly and kicks her kicks arm her in hand, and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I understand that it's supposed to be really uncomfortable and really scary, but it just felt kind of off to me. So yeah. not, it's not that I have a, any critiques of this movie, obviously, but that was probably <laughs> my least favorite scene. Um, okay, so let's go into our frame rate. So we'll just do the same thing around the room that we just did. And Dustin, you can go first. I think this is a very important movie. I think it's something that women will really get a lot of enjoyment out of. They might get a lot of catharsis out of. And I think it's really good for men to watch to really teach us uh, about the woman experience. So I'm going to give this seven and a half thwarted predators out of ten. <laughs> no. Solid. Much, much better to watch this than an episode of To Catch a Predator. Oh, bro, I love To Catch a Predator. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you think? What's your frame rate? So I'd give this movie eight and a half out of 10 multicolored fingernails. Um, I think it, it, it had a lot of what I love in a film, um, unique characters in the sense of uh, this isn't how you're used to seeing these people uh, act. Uh, so it was really cool to see that for me, um, you know, and, and kind of to echo Dustin, it was a movie that men definitely needed to see. Mm, eight and a half smoldering multicolored fingernails. Oh, yeah, <laughs> smoldering. <laughs> All right. Um, So I'm going to give this movie nine and a half boss ass bitches out of 10 because Mm -hmm. I just loved pretty much everything about it. The balance of the darkness and the humor. There were some twists. It was super realistic. Um, The only reason I deducted half a point was just for that flick of the wrist wig in the fire kind of thing that just took me out of it just a little bit, just a half a point. But Everything else I just adored about this movie. So nine and a half for me. So this means that we have to find a new movie to watch. And Josh, it is your turn to decide what we get to review. Yeah. Give us a hint. Give us a hint. 
All right, yeah, uh, definitely excited to take this one this week. Um, I, You guys know I'm a big sci-fi fan, so when I saw this one pop up, I'm like, all right, this looks really interesting. I, uh, to be honest, I don't know a ton about it, but um, that's your first clue, sci-fi, right? <laughs> um, all right, so the next clue, uh, two up-and-coming directors. They're definitely not afraid to get their hands dirty, so they may or may not have other roles in the film. <laughs> one may or may not also be the cinematographer. One may or may not also be the editor. Oh, uh, but some fun stuff so with that. Handy, huh? Yeah, so we. Yeah, so that, that was sassy. definitely something that attracted me to this one. Um, another clue, if you still don't have a guess, would be um, one of the co-stars uh, is probably familiar with the color gray. Just color as a, yeah, you know, I like to give weird clues. Um, and the last one that I'll give is uh, one of the actors I've worked with really loosely, um, but he may or may not be an Avenger. Hmm. Um, oh. Yeah, it's again, I, I, it, that may even be an actual mm. question. He may or may not actually be an Avenger. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's what we got. Do you guys have any any guesses? It's not the Safties. Safties? Safty brothers? No. No. Uh, They're not brothers. Not oh, okay. So well, not like co directors. Although they're not up and coming anymore. And you worked with Matthew McConaughey loosely, right? But he's not remotely. They were in the same film. All right, all right, all right. Just, just give it to us. Give it to us. All right, yeah, so it's called Synchronic. Okay. It's with all Jamie right. okay. Dorian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Anthony Mackie, who is Mackie. the potential he's definitely Avenger. Avenger. Okay. Hey, right. I mean, he's got he's a whole definitely. series he's, coming out of film. He's going to be the new Captain America, man. Absolutely not. No one can be Cap Captain America. Him the shield. I did see the trailer the other day for the new, um, the one where he's like a co-star. It's like the new Captain America movie, That's but he's the Falcon guy. and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a show or film? It's a show. show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Comes out in a couple weeks. Nice. That looks interesting. Anyway, synchronic. It's, all right. It's, it might harken back to our tenant uh, conversations Why a little bit. Why are we picking all these time travel that, movies? Those directors are the ones that did The Endless, right? The I, Endless. I really enjoyed right. The Endless. Oh, yeah. okay. That cult movie thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they acted in that one as well. Oh, they did? They're, they're the two lead characters. <gasps> oh. Gosh, we got to step our I game up on that. the next film we make. <laughs> we got to do it all. You got to act. You got to write. Yeah. You got to direct. You got to do it all. Awesome. Good for these guys, though. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun. All right. Well, there we go. We have our next movie and that's a wrap on Promising Young Woman. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time. Yeah. Husbands, go apologize to your wives. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, to your girlfriends, just don't even say why. Just go up and say, I'm so sorry. Let's watch Promising Young Woman. I'm so sorry. I've been sleeping on the couch ever since we watched it. (laughs) (laughs) 